Also, something that is happening this week, I've been part of, um, and I've been part of this in another place and now part of it here. A new community organizing group is happening here in Raleigh, and it's called Wake One, um, or One Wake, I'm sorry. And basically, they're focusing on three central ideas around affordable housing, education, and jobs, and how can we help um, bring a better situation in our community for justice and organize churches mainly. So there are over 40 churches are involved in this, and we are one of them. And so it, we're having a meeting this Thursday, and basically at this meeting on Thursday, we're, we're kind of splitting up into action groups. So if you're interested, specifically interested in either one of these, affordable housing or education or jobs, if you're passionate about how can we be a church or be a people that help bring affordable housing, that help enhance our education system here in Wake County, or help bring affordable um, living jobs, the living wage jobs here in the triangle um come i'd love for you to be part of that with me i'll be there on thursday um let me know that you'll be there we'd love for five people um to be part of this initial team here from open table to be part of that so this morning we are continuing in our series on Leviticus, and sometimes we have a lot of scripture, and sometimes we have a little bit of scripture. Today we're going to be on the little bit of scripture, but as we begin, I want, to, I want you to ponder this question. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to church? Now some of us may say, well, I love the community and it, because I, I, I believe in, in God and I want to worship God, but I don't know that, that that's why you come to church. Look deeper. Think deeper. Can we figure out the why? Why do you come every week? Why are you part of this thing that we call Christianity, this thing that we do on a weekly basis called church? Why? I think if we dug deep enough, hopefully our answer would be that Christ has captured our lives and we want to live a life in constant surrender to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And so we come here every week to partake in that bigness, to partake in that thing that has captivated us in order that we can be molded and made into people who will transform the world. Like that, that, that's a why, right? That's a why, that's a deeper why. Imagine somebody showing up at your your door um, 20 years ago, you know, when we were all still walking around with Walkmans. And remember those? Had those? Yeah. And somebody showed up at our door and two people showed up. One person showed up and said, hey, I've got this new music device. Would you like to buy one? We'd be like, what? <laughs> music? I've got a music device. Um, it's good. I'm good. But what if somebody showed up and said, I've got this new piece of technology that you can literally have thousands of songs on that you can take everywhere with you throughout the day so that you can have constant inspiration and your new levels of creativity can be birthed throughout the day that will help ease your stress and inspire you to do new things. Would you buy it? Would you be more interested at least? Like, yes. Like, one, one of those is a what it will do, and one of those is a why right? One is a what and one is a why. And oftentimes we live in the what. We're constantly surrounded by what we need to do. But that's not inspiring. That doesn't change the world. It doesn't change lives. What is just the what. And a what is always driven by a why. And so why do we do this thing? Why do we exist as a church? It's a great question, isn't it? I mean, there are lots of churches in, in, in Raleigh, in Wake County, in North Carolina, right? Like, we are at capacity for churches in the South, right? So, 
I think we have to make a, 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 a deep argument of like, why should we exist? And if we can't answer the question why we should exist, then you know what? We probably shouldn't exist, right? Because there's lots of churches with lots of it, probably even better preachers than me here that you could go to. That, but like, why do we exist? That's a good question. God, I believe, has formed us out to be a people that are committed to the justice of the resurrected Jesus in order to break down walls, to help form people in a, in a new way of doing life, to live for something bigger than ourselves, in order to be a community that is inclusive and to help everyone see that God loves everyone and you know one should be left out because of the color of their skin or because their nationality or their ethnicity or their sexuality that God's table is inclusive to everyone and we exist for the purpose of declaring that to the world and forming other people in that formation of the resurrected Jesus now that to me is a compelling argument for why we exist and I believe that is why we exist we don't exist just to come here on Sundays to worship and sing songs. We, we exist for the why, the deeper thing, right? So why do you do this? Why do you come to church? Why do you follow this Jesus that has changed your life? Today, we are, um, our, our scripture comes from Leviticus 9, 1 through 4. It says this, and I want you to catch the very first line. On the eighth day, that's what I want you to see, the eighth day. On the eighth day, that's significant, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. Now, who were elder Aaron? Aaron was the high priest at this time. And Aaron's sons were the Levitical leaders, the Levites. They were the priests. So Moses is summoning the priests on the eighth day. He said to Aaron, the priest, take a bull calf, take a bull calf for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, take a male goat for the sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both a year old and without defect, for the burnt offering, and an axe and a ram for the fellowship offering to the sacrifice before the Lord. Did you get all that? You got all that? You get all that? Yes, good. And the ram for a fellowship offering to the Lord, together with the grain offering mixed with olive oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. Now this is like, we, we can get lost in all of the rams and the, and the goats and the chickens and the, like, what in the world is happening here? It is, this is why people don't read Leviticus, right? This is why you just skip over, like, oh my gosh, I don't understand, and this is so arcane, and I don't get it, and why would people even sacrifice animals? Like, I don't understand. But we've been talking about that, right? And I hope that you have a little bit better understanding from the last couple weeks. And if you don't, you can go back and listen online, or listen online three or four times to, to get it. And, but here I want you to see two things one the eighth day the second the priests so on this eighth day God Moses is summoning the priests to do a work of God to do a work of co-creating as it was I love what Rabbi Sachs says about this eighth day he says this the light of this of the first day of God the God of creation the day of creation is the illumination God makes the light of the eighth day is the illumination God teaches us to make. It symbolizes our partnership with God in the work of creation. There is no more beautiful image than this of how God empowers us to join God in bringing light to the world. 
On the Sabbath, on the seventh day, we remember God's creation. We rest. On the eighth day, we celebrate our creativity as the image and partner of God. We believe that God wants humans to exercise power responsibly, creatively, and within the, within the limits of integrity. God wants us to be guardians of the world God has entrusted to our care. This is the significance of the eighth day. It is the human counterpart of the first day of creation. On the first day, God creates. On the eighth day, God is asking us and empowering us to create. We are, in essence, co-creators with God in the transforming of all things. God is inviting us in to be the, the ones that God works through. Like, I don't know what God is thinking because, like, we are um, difficult people, aren't we? Humans are difficult to work with, and we make lots and lots of mistakes. And so I don't know, like, God, why wouldn't you just do it? Why, why, do you, why do you invite us in to do this work? I, I, I don't know, but this is the way God works. This is the way God wants to work because God fundamentally trusts you, us. God trusts us. God wants us to be part of the unfolding work of un- creating a new world together, a world of justice, a world of shalom, a world of hope for every single person. On the eighth day, God is inviting us in. Hey, y'all, come here. I got to work for you. I got some work of creation for you today. Now we can say, well, God was just using the priests here, Aaron and Aaron's sons, the Levites. God, is God just asking the priests to do this work of co-creating? Well, yes. But there's something that later on we see in the last book of the Bible. Now get this, this is really good. In Revelation it says this, John is writing his letter to the seven churches. And it says this, in the very beginning, to the seven churches in the providence of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. For him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. We in this post-work of Jesus now, that is now, it's not just a few people who are priests, Aaron, Aaron's sons, the Levites. No, 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 no. We, we, us, are a kingdom of priests that are being called to be co-creators with God. Wow. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but I, I, I like that. That's, that's like, Yes. We're not just asked to sit on the sideline, to come sit in a pew, and God's going to take, take care of it all. No, God's saying like, well, I, I'm sitting on the throne, and you guys, y'all, y'all need to do some work here. And I'm empowering you with the Holy Spirit to go be that people. Now, I, don't, I like physics. I, I didn't ever take physics um, much, but what I took of it, I loved it, and um, I don't, know, I don't know anything about physics except this, um, <clears throat> the definition of work. The definition of work in physics, like it's not, like, so I'm talking physics definition here and not just like, hey, I'm going to go to work. In physics, the definition of work is force times distance. So in order for there to be work involved, distance must take place. And so, like, yeah, I've got a force. And if I, if I push with my force on this pulpit, I'm really pushing hard but there's no work happening, okay? See that? 
Like I'm pushing really hard, but it's not moving. And so there's no work. No matter how hard I push, if I can't move it, there's no work. Although it feels like I'm working, I'm not. Because force, work involves movement. Now, we'll take something lighter. Now, I can move this, and that is work. I've just moved it from here to there. So that is work. But there's also something else more beautiful than this. So we take this idea, and and we, we, we take this idea of like, potential energy, okay? So potential energy is the energy that I give to something by doing work. Now let's, say, let's take this for example, okay? Um, all right, we'll use this again. So, so here it is. This has, this has uh, I don't know if it has potential energy right now. I'm not that smart, but here I'm going to give it some potential energy. You ready? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a magic trick, and I'm going to give this stool potential energy by lifting it up. Now, I've done work, right? I've done work by lifting it up, and now that work is stored in this. And you're like, no, it's not. (laughs) Yeah, it is, because what happens if I drop it? That work now is released. You're like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I I didn't make up that. (laughs) I guess somebody much smarter than me did that. But but the the higher that you lift something, the more potential energy you give it, right? Um, But also, the heavier an object is, the more potential energy it has. So um, potential energy is the, the, like... So you, you have an object and you store something in it. So imagine if I took a tennis ball and took it to the top of the, to the ridge there, right? It has a certain amount of potential energy. But if I dropped it, you wouldn't be scared of it, would you? You, you might even like catch it, right? A tennis ball. Because, but, it's, it's a, but now what if I lifted this speaker up? <laughs> would you try to catch that? <laughs> Maybe if you're stupid, you would. But you probably wouldn't because you have more sense than that because that is a lot heavier than a tennis ball. That has a lot more potential energy than the tennis ball because that is a lot heavier, right? But somebody, like it's, it has that potential energy right now because somebody lifted it up there and put it up there. And so it is stored in there. And if it drops, all that will be released. Now, where is this going? Why are we talking about physics and Leviticus and like priests? Oh my. Here's, um, we're getting there. We're getting there. I made, um, I, made some, I made some words for you today, okay? And this is all going somewhere. There's this thing that I was, I was, I was in this little seminar thing and I was listening to this guy talk and he was talking about like this cycle of potential. And he began by saying, we all have a certain potential inside of us, right? All of us have a stored up energy for potential to do something great in this world. But that potential has to be released. It doesn't, if I just sit somewhere on a pew, it's nothing's going to happen, right? That potential needs to be released. And in order to release that potential, it takes action, right? Action. Sometimes it takes a massive action to release our potential. Like for this speaker, I couldn't, no one could just lift it up there. They actually had to get like a, a lift in here, you know, one of those mechanical lifts and lift it up there because that sucker is heavy. And, but that took a massive action. For us, sometimes to release our potential, it takes massive action. But what happens when we do that? What happens when we release that massive action? We get results. Something 
happens. Our potential turns into action, turns into results. We take that stored up potential that has been put in us and we put action into it and we move distance and we get results, right? And what happens after we get results? Something happens inside of our mind. We begin to believe a different way. That actions has resulted in new beliefs that maybe we can do something different in the world, right? Think about, think about the first time, like, um, do you, for those of you who are um, dedicated enough to commit to a marathon, I would never do this, but some of you have and do, and you always amaze me, committing to a marathon, but, you know, you haven't really run much. And so the first the first time is really hard, isn't it? Like inside of you is this stored up potential to run a marathon, but you haven't really run a marathon before and you're not just going to wake up one day and run 26.2 miles tomorrow. I mean, maybe you would, but probably you wouldn't. You're going to start somewhere. You're going to start. I think there's even an app for this, right? It's from like from a couch to a marathon and it follows you through. And the first day you're going to run what? You're going to run like a half a mile. It's just going to get you out there and it's going to get you started. But then you're going, to have, you're going to have this time somewhere in between that you're going to have a big day. You're going to have to run 10 miles. And you're probably thinking, there's no way I can do that. 10 miles, that's so far. That's like from here to Mississippi. Like it's so far. 10 miles. You're asking me to run that far. I can't do it. At least that's what it feels like, right, from here to Mississippi. But then you start doing it, and you, this takes a massive action on your part, and you are tired, and you are drained, and you hurt all over, but you keep going, and you do it, and you get that 10 miles. Then what happens to you? You begin to believe that you can do it. You begin to believe in a new world and your new capacity. For anybody of you who've ever set out to learn a musical instrument, that the first time that you do it, you're terrible, right? You pick up that instrument and you play it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is harder than it looks and I have no idea how to do this. But you keep working and it takes this massive action, this massive energy that you are putting into it and you get results and you begin to play and then you begin to believe that you can play. And what that goes right back to creating new potential. So now your potential level is lifted up to where now your potential, somebody has some, that energy, somebody's raised you up a little bit. And so now your potential energy is a little bit more. And so now when you put a massive action into that, you get higher and bigger results. And when you get higher and bigger results, that forms new beliefs. And when you form new beliefs, that forms even new potential when you see it, right? And then when you do, when, when you run, when you get done with the marathon at 26.2 miles and they cover you in aluminum, foil and you feel like your legs are dead, you believe that you can do anything, right? You believe that you can do anything now. You are an unstoppable force, potential. And so we live in this cycle, potential, an action that gets results, that forms new beliefs, that in turn makes our potential even better. You got that? Yeah? Yes. And so what is this world? Does this have to do with Leviticus or anything at all in the world? It is leading to something, I'm telling you, because we as a church are the same way. We as a church have this potential 
in order to unleash that potential. It's going to take a massive action. But when we do that action, we get results. And those results will reform us into believing that we can do things that are hard and difficult that we didn't believe that we could set out to do. Some of us were here at the very beginning three years ago when we were relaunching Open Cable and, and, and forming a new thing into it. And like, like, well, like, how in the world are we going to do this? We don't know. This is like, but we had this potential. And the potential was released, and it got results, and here we are today, and now we believe that we can do more than we believed that we could do three years ago, right? And so as we look out on the brink of where we are going and what is possible for us as a church, now again, we have this new potential. We have been lifted up higher. We have more energy. We are capable of doing more things. We are heavier, so to speak, because... We take up more mass, there are more people that are involved, and we can do things that we thought that maybe are impossible. Now, where am I going with all this? I'm going to the fact that we had a council meeting several weeks ago, and the way that this church works and the way that all Methodist churches work is like, I don't, I don't make the decisions here at, at this church. I help inform the decisions. I'm part of the decision-making process, but the council is the ones that really make the decisions happen. And we were sitting in the council meeting, and one of the things we began to talk about was our youth ministry here and, the, and the, the potential and the possibility. Andrew has been doing a great job for the last year and a half, two years, um, doing a great job. But we, we set out when we began, we're like, well, we can only afford this much. And so we're like, we can do 10 hours a week. And so we hired Andrew. Andrew's coming, and he's been doing great. And, um, but we began to think about what, what, what could we do more? Could we do more here as a church and Andrew is going to be graduating from Duke here very soon. And um, so we began to like, oh, things are going to be changing. And so we, we, we entered into this council meeting, and I was, I was just watching it. And I just proposed, I just brought up the idea, hey, we need to think through what we want to do with youth ministry. And released it. And here it was in this council meeting of like 10 other people in the church. And it was like jazz to watch this unfold. One person started talking and the other person started talking. The other person started talking. And the other person started talking until we landed at the space where we felt that we need as a church to put a massive energy, massive action into our youth. Because we exist for a certain reason, a certain purpose here as a church. We are, I mean, I mean, look around. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of unique. I mean, we are not all that diverse. We're still, we're a little bit diverse. But a little bit diverse in the church world is, is something. It's something to speak of, right? And we're not where we are. We, we are not yet where we will be, but we were not where we were. And so we are moving along, and we have created a space here where everybody feels like they can be accepted, where we are willing to talk about the hard things, where we are willing to engage in reconciliation, where we are willing to embrace and accept all, every single person. We are a church as a people who have carved out and said we will be an affirming church. No matter what the Methodist church says or how they need to figure it out, we will be an affirming church. Where if you are LGBTQ+, did you are here. You are one of us. You are a leader. You are, have sacred worth. You are with us. And so what would it look like for have a youth ministry that reflected this church? 
And we all know that it's difficult. I mean, maybe you do, maybe you don't know. Uh, I, I've got a teenager, almost two teenagers, and, and I know a couple teenagers, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard to be a teenager right now. And no joke, like the world is stressful. It is, you're being pulled in all sorts of different directions. We are so overly busy, overly pressured. The pressure on teens is really immense right now in our society. And where we find, we, we find like in, in churches, the churches that often have big youth ministries that have developed, uh, put a lot of energy into youth ministry are often very conservative theological churches, Right? Because youth ministry, to do it really fantastic, takes a lot of money. And so those bigger churches that are typically more conservative, and I've heard the stories, and maybe you have too, of if you don't fit into the Christian normal, whatever normal means, I have no idea. What, it, what is normal? Who, who is the definition of normal? Because whoever that is, they're screwed up too. So it's skewing... It's skewing the results because, like, all of us are screwed up. So, like, what is normal? I don't know what normal is. But Christian normal, if you don't fit into that category, if you deviate from there in any sense, then those sorts of churches have, we have seen leave a trail of tears for teenagers who don't fit into that mold. And what would it be? I mean, I mean, I mean teens, if you look at the stats, like, Suicide is the second leading category of death among teenagers, adolescents. And among that, LGBTQ teenagers are four times more likely to commit suicide. Transgender teenagers, 61% of transgender teenagers have either contemplated or tried to commit suicide. And y'all, in large part, it's because of the theology of the church. The theology where you grow up in a church and you're eight years old and nine years old and ten years old and you come to to love this church and and you love and you trust them and then you get to 15 or 16 or 17 or whenever and you realize that you are different than this, than you were, and you come out to be honest about who you are. And many of you have had this experience too. And your world crashes. Because the very people that you thought would support you don't. Because the church has made them make a choice. Us or them. Wrong or right. They can't be here and this and like that. But what would it be like to carve out a youth ministry where they could be them? Where we had open arms to say 14, 15, 16, 17 year old Come here. We will support you. We will love you. This is a place where you can be safe, be with others like you, where you can be you and understand from a large... I mean, I mean many of you who have gone through this as LGBT, in the LGBTQ community, like, it took you years and years and years and decades to finally come to terms with faith and yourself. But what if we didn't have that gap of pain. What if when someone said, hey, listen, I, I, I'm like this, and we're like, yes, amen. We love you, and you are here. And hey, you want us to talk to your parents? My, 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 the, the senior pastor will talk to your parents and tell them, it's okay. It's okay. It's beautiful. Like what, 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 what would a youth ministry that, that was like, it was not all white, but 
we had African-American and Latino and Latina, and we're all there together in this beautiful mix of, of life together. I mean, what would that look like? And here in this council meeting, it all began to unfold and take form and take shape. And then we're like, we want to do this, but this is going to take a massive action. Because in order to do this, 10 hours is not enough. We need to have a 40-hour person. Somebody to completely be dedicated to this sort of creating this sort of ministry. Because they are literally going to have to carve it out. And it's going to take a lot of effort and energy. But it's also going to take a lot of effort and energy on all of our parts. Because in order to have that much money to do something unique and different and, and, and that big, it's going to increase. We're going we're gonna to have to come up with the money from somewhere. And the council was like, well, we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to find it. We got to make it happen. We got to do it. So we decided to take some of, the, some of the funds that were endowed from a long time ago, specifically for youth. And we're like, we're going to take some of those. But we're going to also need to increase our giving as a church to make this happen. So you'll see in that budget there that we get some money from the outside. We get some money from the rental downstairs um, of the building. We get some money here and there, but we're still going to have to make up some. And so what it, it shows is like a 10% increase in what we were giving over the last year. We're going to need to give 10% more. And I thought, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty cool number. You know, that's sort of, sort of like a biblical number there of a, of a 10% more. But I also think about like having a youth ministry that was not just dedicated to be a welcoming space, but a youth ministry that was, was informing and helping kids to grow up in the ways of justice and then releasing them out into the community, partnering with other organizations. And God has begun to unfold in this space, in this year, a vision for what we could be and in, in to reach and minister to at-risk children in our city. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of kids are homeless right now. Thousands have nowhere to go. Many are coming out of the foster care system all alone with nowhere to go. What, what is the space that God is pushing us into? It feels, like, it feels like those doors have been opened and we've kind of been pushed into that space. And so we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I, I, I feel like God has been saying this. Open table. Open table. It's the eighth day. Come here. I got some work for you to do. Yes. It's the eighth day. And I think God is embarking, embracing, and leading us into this vision of doing hard things around teenagers, around creating spaces for teens and engaging them here, but also engaging them there, and then bringing there to here, and then forming and sending here to there in order to create something beautiful. But it's going to take a work. It's going to take, we got this potential, but we're going to have to turn it. We're going to have to put this massive action in to making results. But I believe it's a worthwhile endeavor. And I believe it is an endeavor that God is calling us to do that God is placing before us and we all have a role to play not just not just in money but but money is one role and, and so, some of you some of you got money and so like I can do that some of you don't don't have so much money but you got time and wisdom and passion and energy and like it's going to take all of that coming together to do this thing that God is calling us to do but it is exciting it is exciting because 
we are able and we are going to be able to partner with God in the work of creating a new future. Creating a future that is full of justice and full of flourishing and full of shalom and full of life. And that is in turn going to give us life. It's going to transform our lives because that's what happens. And we're going to look back a year from now and be like, man, I didn't, I didn't think we could do it. You, I remember you sat up there and you told us, like, you're telling us this. And I didn't think it was going to happen. I didn't think we could do it. But like a year later, and we're like, whoa, we did it. And then we're going to be pushed even further into something because that's what God does. God loves us too much to leave us alone, always asking us to be co-creators in the world around us. Church, it is the eighth day, and we are being invited by God, the God of creation, to join in the work of being the priests of God and forming and reforming the earth. Today, let's embrace that together. Let's embrace, yes, amen, cool. Let's embrace the call God has upon us to do something new, to do something hard. We are the followers of the resurrected Jesus, and we do hard things. Just because it's hard is no reason to not do it, because the God um, sitting on the throne of the cosmos is our God. And so, yes, we do hard things, and God calls us to do hard things because God believes and trusts in us. So today, let's embrace that. This week, I want you to pray about how you can be part of this. Like, we got a long way to go. This is just unfolding. This is all new. But I want you to pray, how can I be part of this new thing that God is calling us to be? And it may be like, hey, you know what? I was sitting there, and I knew that I needed to give some more money to make this happen. Or maybe I was sitting there, and the Spirit impressed upon me that I needed to be part of the team that helps make this happen. So let's form a team and make it happen together. So, like, what is it for you? Or maybe it's not even this thing, but, but like as I was talking, it's some tangent element that the Spirit has moved on you. And we didn't understand that that thing over there was a really important piece that we're going to need that down the road. And, but God has impressed that upon you this morning. Whatever it is that God has impressed upon you this morning, embrace it. Pray about it. And turn, it, turn that potential into action and get results and change beliefs. Today... Let's follow the God of creation on this eighth day. Let's pray together as we prepare our hearts for communion. Lord God, we give you thanks that you call us into spaces that are big and scary and unknown. That you love us enough to trust us that we can do it. And so in this space, in this time, we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to be the people that embrace the eighth day the people that are willing to put a massive action into our potential in order to get results. And as we do that, change us. Change us from the inside out. Change us, Lord, and help us to be people who are thankful of that you are moving in our lives and in our community, that we can see it clearly. God, help us to embrace our role in the eighth day. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.